back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. On is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. John Machota joining us now from the Athletic. Uh, John, what a uh, what a ball game that was uh, the other night. The Cowboys just put it on the Eagles, and then uh, you didn't even see me trying to get on the elevator to go down there and talk to Jerry. And I was cut off by the Eagles ownership group. Uh, Mrs. Lurie and the whole group came over. And all the Eagles, you know, they're, they're known as the big bad media. They just sat there and said nothing. They, they put the arm bar on us and said, wait, sorry. And they let all the Eagles ownership and they wouldn't let any of the media on there with them. And so you would have been proud of me. I did voice my displeasure and not not in a crazy manner. But I did, uh, I did let them know that this was the media elevator. And I can't say that Jeff Lurie's wife cared that much of my protest. I don't think it really meant that much. But I just wanted to let you know about that, that uh, confrontation the other night. So that, that's interesting because so I went down with probably about three minutes to go in the game. Okay. And they held a, a, a small group of us back as well and said that this was part of the Eagles ownership group that they were letting on. And I'd never seen any of these individuals before. So I'm thinking they're just people that were in the box uh, mm-hmm. with Eagles ownership. But, I mean, we've both covered a lot of games out there. And it's right around the time I usually go down after every game. It was just weird that this game, maybe maybe the Eagles ownership group is sitting in a different area than the other owners sit in, but that was weird that yeah. usually that isn't an interference at AT&T Stadium. And while it is at a lot of other stadiums I've been to, so I don't know. But, yeah, the you, group that was in front of us, uh, they, weren't, they weren't very happy either. Well, you that was the Eagles officials, I bet, that was sitting in front of where I was sitting. And after those field goals, they only had like the two field goals. This one guy would get up, there were like seven of them, and he would try to dap up everybody, and you could tell some of them were like, we just kicked a field goal. We're down, you know, we're down whatever, seventeen to six. I don't know why you feel like you need to dap everybody up. Like the Eagles officials were not, they were not that excited. There was just one I'm guy. Disappointed. I'm pretty mm-hmm. disappointed you didn't get video of this. <laughs> it, it was, it was funny. Also, Jerry Jones the other night, starting his commentary with some talk about El Cid. And I couldn't really hear from where I was, and then, so I'm sure I made everybody happy when I basically said, Jerry, what did you say about El Cid? And then Jerry, as only he could, was very happy to kind of retell the story of El Cid and how they, they strapped El Cid on a horse and sent him across the beach after he was mortally wounded, after he was already dead, to inspire. And he said that Mike McCarthy was El Cid. In this uh, in this reference, um, I I found that pretty interesting. I think other people, uh, John, were ready to move on from El Cid, but I I kind of like it when Jerry goes off script like that. Actually, there's never a script for him. Have you seen El Cid, or since then, have you at least gone back and looked and and maybe considered watching the uh, the famous Charlton Heston film? I haven't yet. Uh, I've been okay. busy with some other things, but I, I hmm. did find it interesting that he brought that up. You then, about 10 minutes later, asked for a follow-up on that. And then probably another 10, 15 minutes after that, 
there was a separate group of reporters, and this is right before Dak Prescott was about to do his post-game press conference, and he's usually the one that goes last of everyone. I, I ducked my head in. I saw he wasn't in there yet, so I'm like, I'll go back out here and listen to what Jerry's still talking about. And sure enough, we we had our third our third Elkid storytelling, and I think I'll, I'll never complain about that because of the fact of there were just in our business there are so many people involved with these teams that really don't want to talk to us, you know, and they just really want us to go away good or bad. It's like, let's keep this to five minutes. Hopefully somebody steps in and breaks this up. I want to go home, but Jerry Jones absolutely loves it. And especially after a win like that, I mean, I would, it was very comparable. The way Jerry was after that game was very comparable to the way Jerry was um, in Tampa after they beat the Buccaneers uh, this past season in the playoffs where it was he was just so happy, uh, mm-hmm. and I would say those are the two biggest wins of the Mike McCarthy era. He was just so happy about where he sees this thing going that he really could have went back up to him a fourth time and asked one more time, "What's this Elston story?" And he would have taken his time <laughs> and he would have broke it down. With I mean, he was just, I mean, he, this is it's it's funny to me because obviously I, I don't know I, I'm not I've never been in the room when he's you know finished a huge business deal and yeah. I'm sure he's real happy about that but i bet you it pales in comparison to how he feels about this football team and when this football team's rolling it, it's probably one of the happiest things in his life and, and especially with the way they're playing right now do you feel completely different about the cowboys now that they've gotten that signature uh huge win uh and and and, and did it in dominant fashion did it change the way you look at this team, or did it just sort of confirm the direction you thought this team was going in? What was your what's your kind of uh, mindset on this team uh, coming off that uh, big win over the Eagles? Yeah, I'd love to give you something super profound about you know in the third quarter on this play. This is when I knew the Cowboys got a chance <laughs> to win the Super Bowl this year. But if I'm being completely honest with you, I feel the same way about this team as I did last year's team. It's not the same. There's different things that I like more than I liked last year and vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, but for me, it really comes down to, is this team going to stay healthy with what they have right now? Because you can tell me a player or two goes down and I could see this whole thing ending like it ended last year. But if they can stay healthy, particularly on that offensive line, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, some of those key players like that, uh, they got every they got a good chance to anybody to, to beat the Eagles and, and and probably have to go through the Niners and and win the NFC. They've they've that's as good a chance as they've had over the last decade. But the, things got to keep going in this direction because the, their best chance to get to the Super Bowl is to win this division and be able to play at home. I mean they're just a different team at home. I mean they're the best team in the NFL, no question about it. When they're at home and they got one home game left against Detroit and that should be a pretty good game, but I don't. I don't see any reason why anybody would pick uh, the Lions to win that game. The Cowboys just been so good at home. And so now it's about, okay, well, can they win a couple of these road games here and put themselves in a position to get 13, 14 wins and possibly win this division? If they don't win the division, it's to me it's the same as it was last year. I mean, heck, the way it lines up right now, if they don't win the division, it would be the same as last year. You would be going to Tampa Bay. You win that game, probably got, probably are going to San Francisco well, or Philadelphia. And, and 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 I like their chances just as much as I liked them this past year. I mean, I don't think they'll be the favorite, but if they play their best game, they can certainly beat either of those teams. There, there's no question about it. I mean, you saw it Sunday. 
Isn't it weird how we think of all kickers pretty much the same in the NFL? You know, some are a little better than others, but now it seems like the Cowboys have like a huge weapon. And is it comical to you to look down there and see the ball like at midfield? <laughs> Doesn't it always just look to me for some reason? It just kind of seems amusing because it's like, wait, you're not supposed to kick a field goal from there, especially at that time of the game. It was like seven nothing. And they're trying a 60-yard field goal. Like, like, you know, Parcells, all these coaches from the – nobody would do that. And yet, this guy is a different type of weapon. Like, I, I don't – Cowboys have had a lot of good kickers over the years. They've had streaky kickers, good kickers. But nothing like this. 30 straight to start his career. And now they're writing stories like, well, he needs to, he needs to miss a kick at some point. It would be good if he missed a kick. I, I I saw that USA Today actually wrote that. I think it was like Mike Freeman or somebody. They said it's it's about Brandon Aubrey really needs to miss a kick. That would be good for him. I don't really understand I mean, that. Like I would just ride the hot hand points. here. Yeah, he's mixed, he's missed some extra points, but uh, yeah, I'll say this. I mean, kicking an AT and T stadium at, at no time this year have they had uh, the roof or the doors open. It's been you know an absolute dome atmosphere. And any kicker will tell you that that's exactly what they want. Um, no weather conditions at all. And but to answer your, your first question, it is it is weird. I mean, maybe it's just the angle that we're at, where the press box is located in AT and T Stadium. <laughs> but to see someone standing on the logo like he's Steph Curry, you're just like, you're just like, are you really you really pulling from there? And, and, and the crazy thing about it is that so after the game, and then again yesterday when we talked to John Fossil. After the game, Aubrey said he, that, you know, he thinks he can make from 70, and, and Fossil said yesterday that, that he agrees. And so I think it's kind of crazy to see him standing on the logo, but I mean, we're talking 70. That means they're going to be snapping from – like the team's going to be on the logo snapping behind it. Like that – I don't know. I mean, he's on a heck of a run. The thing I keep going back to is just there were some really rough days out in Oxnard when he, when he was still in the, uh, in, the in, in the tryout stages, let's say that. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because it's outside, and it certainly can get windy uh, on those on those practice fields there. But there were there were plenty of times early in camp where I was like, yeah, the Cowboys kicking situation is going to be. They'll be one of these guys will probably start the season, and then they'll probably end up going with a veteran uh, off of another team midway through. I did not think that. I did not think that he would be this type of a weapon to where it's not only has he been accurate, but he's got one of the strongest legs in the game, and you can put him in in all different situations, and he has just been money on every single one. And, and then now he's doing interviews this morning with, on the Dan Patrick show. So, I mean, he is uh, – it, it is crazy where it's come from for sure because I did I, I don't think anybody that watched those first week or so of practices in Oxnard would have thought that it, it would have got anywhere near this level. Were you there when somebody asked Jerry about talking to – Dan Patrick before the game was that were they was the was the I, state I politician <laughs> at the game or something like what I, I I still don't I never figured that one out was that was that what the he guy was. was referencing okay he was yep yep and he was at the game and Jerry was talking to him bef- beforehand and 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 so Jerry said that he didn't under like there was just like a longer pause than Jerry normally gives and then Jerry responded with something like he said something real like quick and then he goes. And then, like, everyone kind of stood around and didn't really know what somebody goes, oh, I thought you were talking about Dan Quinn. I mean, I've been around Jerry a bunch. I kind of took that as Jerry didn't want to get involved with even talking about that. So that was kind of his out, was making a joke about, oh, I thought you were talking about Dan Quinn. But I just don't think he wanted to really get into talking politics in that moment. I think he was in a good spot with how happy he was with the game. And I don't think he really 
wanted to get into that type of discussion of, of some of the politicians he was meeting with before the game, but <laughs> it was an odd moment because Jerry usually has an answer for, for yeah. anything, and he didn't have anything really for that. I just think most people would would have that reaction if they said, "What'd you? How was it talking to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick?" It's like I don't really, I did, I and I think Jerry was probably like had to be reminded uh, of like who that was down there, but whatever. That just kind of made me laugh. And Clarence and I were back there trying to compare notes, like which which Dan Patrick is he talking about? Because of course you have the Dan Patrick show as well. John Machoda on with us from the Athletic. Uh, on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Did Fossil address the punt defense? I mean, one of the, the few successful plays for the Eagles was the young man, Braden Mann, I think is his name, um, on the fake punt, threw a beautiful pass out there. And, of course, nobody covered the receiver, number 13 for the Eagles. Was that addressed uh, by, uh, by Bones Fossil? It was. He took the blame for it um, because it was Jalen Tolbert's guy on that side, and he felt like he probably should have reminded Jalen in that situation of that potential that that could happen, which is where the game was at and everything like that. And this is, you know, Jalen, this is his first year really doing that as being one of their, uh, you know, main gunners. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, second-year wide receiver in that. So I just found it kind of odd because it just it screamed of, you know, there's just certain moments in games where you're like, yeah, I could see this being a fake. You know, this is a this is a good time to run a fake. And I felt like that was a, a good situation just where the momentum in that game was going, that you felt like you needed a play. And it's one thing to, like, draw something up that you're just like, man, that was real. That was a really well-drawn-up play or whatever. And that was just, like, your most basic punter gets ball, punter looks, throws pass to nobody around receiver. You know, like, it just – it was way too wide open for that situation. So, yeah, no, Fossil, Fossil took the blame on that one. All right, and, and well, Cowboys, the tests keep coming, and they got a tough schedule. Eagles don't. It's weird to be tied, isn't it, and still feel like you don't have that great a chance to win the division. I don't know what the ESPN percentage is, or maybe the Athletic has that, but I still think even in a good situation the Cowboys are in right now, it would still only be about a 20% chance, or you may even know the answer to this of winning the division. It's just with the schedule being the way it is, how do you feel about the Cowboys going into a couple of tough road games? Uh, they're three and three on the road. Do you think, um, or do you think they're just playing well enough that they could overcome some of their road struggles? I think they are playing well enough that they can overcome some of the road struggles. I don't know that percentage exactly. I was going to guess 25 to 30%, but 20% mm -hmm. sounds like it could be right there too, uh, just because of what the Eagles have in front of them is just not even close. Uh, I mean, it's going to be really tough for the Cowboys to win one of these next two, I feel like. I feel they gotta be, they're in a good spot if they beat Miami or Buffalo, let alone win both those games. And then if you lose both, then, then you're certainly uh, not winning the division then. But uh, this will be a tough one. I saw they're like a two-and-a-half-point underdog in Buffalo. Weather looks like it's going to be windy, but in terms of temps, it's not like going to be one of those one of those games where all of a sudden you're you're concerned about snow and, and cold. It's supposed to be in the 40s, so uh, all things considered, for this time of year, I, I, maybe the weather won't be that bad. Um, but it's still the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I, I'll admit I would I look like I'm going to be wrong on this, but I mean that was the Bills were my pick to to win the Super Bowl this year. I thought they would finally put it all together this year. 
and they've been not playing well. They, they had a big win this past week against Kansas City, but they have the pieces there to kind of get it together at the, at the right time. Uh, probably not the right time for a big story to come out about their coach, uh, but I, I, don't think, I don't think this is a bad time. I mean, considering when the schedule came out, seeing that, oh, this is going to be in December, the weather doesn't look like it's going to be terrible. They're coming off with a win against Kansas City. Maybe they're running a little high there. Maybe the Cowboys can, can play well and, and, and pull that one out. But, I mean, we can go back to when the schedule came out. We can go back to when training camp started. We can go back to uh, when the regular season started. I, I just did mm-hmm. not think that the, that the Cowboys would win both of these games when I saw that they were yeah. at, my, at Miami, at Buffalo, back-to-back weeks. I, I used to know McDermott and be around him, and I was just trying to think. Uh, it just That was one of the more bizarre stories, and we, we've had a ton of bizarre stories. My gosh, we co- uh, I covered Terrell Owens around here. But th- that deciding, like, in your mind that that might be a good idea uh, to talk about teamwork, that, that's, that is an old-timer. And, and, I, and I, I've even gone I got, back I and – yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. some thoughts on that, and, and, and I think – the biggest one is, I say this to my brother all the time because he was in college basketball coaching for a while. He no longer yeah. is. Uh, and we, so we talk about coaching a lot and sports a lot in general. And, and, the, and, the, and the thing I always say is, whether you're a coach, player, whatever, heck, us in the media, being around sports allows you to kind of not have to grow up. The longer you're in it, you know, you're, you're, it really is a kid's game at the end of the day. And yeah. if you're good at that, you really don't have to grow up and know anything about the outside world. You'll make enough money. People will love you. You'll be looked at as, as, as this hero. And you really don't – I just believe the longer you're in it, the more you're detached from reality. You think that – I mean, you especially see it in colleges. Like, man, that if you're at a university where it's a really good college football coach, a really good college basketball coach, they're the biggest deal on those campuses. And it certainly goes to a lot of their heads where, you know, I just – I see that with sports a lot where you really – if you're really good at it, you don't really have to grow up and you don't have mm-hmm. to you know, know the stuff on outside uh, the world. And I think that a lot of times you think that when you're a coach that whatever you say, you know, there's going to be this very profound thing and, and mm-hmm. uh, these guys are going to listen to you. And I think sometimes you, uh, you lose a little bit of, of touch with reality. Yeah, and you probably think that you can get away with things and it'll stay in the locker room. That doesn't really happen anymore. Parcells used to talk about it being the laboratory, the world's last laboratory where anybody could say anything, and I don't think that's the case anymore. Of course, this stayed under wraps. This was 2019 he said this uh, speech. But but you raise an interesting point. There was a colleague of ours that, that you'll recognize, that I won't say the name, but we were something huge was happening at the DMN and like they were doing this massive thing, like in the societal type deal. It was like they were examining every facet of the community in Dallas. And it was this enormous push from the morning news. And we were in a meeting and it somehow it became obvious that one of our colleagues didn't hadn't like, didn't know what this was. Like, I'm telling you, you could not walk out of an office in the morning news without hearing that the paper was doing this. And it was kind of like that. Like, this this guy covered the Cowboys. It just covered, and like, none of that made any, you know, had no impact on him. He didn't care. And maybe he had heard something about it. But like, somehow, they wanted our opinion on the paper's job at doing this. And <laughs> they they called on my man, and he just said, I've not heard of I haven't heard anything about this. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, 
there's no telling how many millions they put into this this initiative. And so anyway, that kind of backs up the point you're making is that we don't always dig in with world affairs, although you would like to think you would have a little common sense take over at some point. All right. Well, John, that was great. It was good to see you the other night. Uh, safe travels. Have you ever seen Niagara Falls? You know what? I have not. Uh, I've only been to Buffalo one other time, 2015, uh, yeah. when uh, Kellen Moore got the start. And uh, it wasn't great weather that day. And uh, this time I won't be able to either because, uh, I mean, going back to when I booked my flight, heck, this is back by, before training camp. There are just so few direct flights from Dallas to Buffalo. And, mm-hmm. and so I know several writers that are actually on connecting flights. I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I actually don't even get into Buffalo until almost 11 o'clock at night. And I, and I generally try and get into these road cities like middle of the day, but I needed a straight flight. And uh, so, yeah, probably not going to see the falls this time. Okay. Get a, I mean, that thing, yeah, get a look at that thing when you, at some point, you, you can read, you'll have brochures at your hotel and all that. So you can take some of that in. Uh, appreciate it, sir. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. It sounds good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Okay. John Mishota from The uh, Athletic joining us on the Matt Mosley Show. All right. We've got Campus Confidential at 440. Got a big college football guest at 5 o'clock. Uh, we had Kevin Hoffman on earlier uh, from Mart. Wow. I mean, this has been a, it's been a good day. We're going to continue. Uh, next, we'll get you caught up on a couple of things, a couple of items in the NFL. I want to react a little bit 